This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. How do you find passion in, well, I don't know if this is passion. Dr. Lori, why are men obsessed with their penis size? <laughs> oh my goodness, that's the age-old question. All we know is they have always seemed to be somewhat obsessed, concerned with their penis size. But today we'll find out what the actual facts are, what women what women think about penis size. Is bigger the better? <laughs> Uh, the answer is no. Uh, and also, we'll talk about, you know, can we even increase penis size? Because, I, I mean, I get those questions all the time, John. I think it's one of those topics that everybody, everybody lies about. I don't know if you'll ever find the real answers, but we're going to find them out uh, coming up. First, we get to the mailbag. Love, sex, relationships. It can get complicated. We all have questions. Dr. Lori helps with the answers you need. We love your questions. Submit them at drlaurie.com. And we start with a very straightforward question, and many people have probably thought this in their brain somewhere. Dr. Laurie, why do people cheat on their partners, and is monogamy dead? <laughs> You're right. This is a question a lot of people have. Um you know, we, and future episodes, we will definitely talk about non-monogamy. Uh, but I think, look, many people have no problem being faithful to their partner. Let's just be real. But there are some people that just can't seem to stay true to just one person, right? There's There are people who feel for themselves that they need more. They need more sex. They need more passion. They need more desire. They need more attention. They need more affection. They need more variety, um, as well as having desires fulfilled that their partner may not be comfortable with. So, it's about knowing oneself, right? If a person in the relationship needs more of something, then the that person should discuss this with their partner first rather than go elsewhere and, and get it elsewhere. So there is such a thing as sexual compatibility, all right? And, and sometimes two people, as much as they may love each other, may not be compatible sexually, meaning that it's not about the fit in terms of penis fits into vagina compatibility, but in terms of their wants and and their desires. So just like with any other aspect of relationships, I think compromising and being able to have a good, open uh, discussion and communication about what our, our needs are is is key, right? And then arriving to some compromise. Like it makes me think of also people who, for example, uh, are have certain fetishes, right? Or kinks like a BDSM or, mm-hmm. or what have you. And they go into a relationship, they know this about themselves, but they don't let their partner know. They, they're kind of hoping their partner will be on board. And sometimes they find that their partner isn't on board and, and they feel it's something they need. So they may end up looking elsewhere for that or at the very least renegotiate with your um, partner uh, the terms of the relationship right but it, that requires having like really open conversations do you see change coming in the future because even myself I'm 47 and when I think of maybe even my early teens what it meant to be gay that was not talked about however Mm -hmm. over the course of time now it's very acceptable you could even argue it's like extra hip like that the role of uh, and the feelings for someone who is gay it has changed a lot because 
they now realize the most of us are like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Whereas before it was almost like I had to hide my feelings about it. Right. Uh, do you think this will be similar? Because I see more and more young people, when they talk about relations, they talk about multiple partners and they, they have a different sense of it. So do you think this is sort of also maybe coming out of its shell in, in the same way that there's just a le- level of acceptance that is maybe has always been there, but now it's more widely promoted? Right. Well, uh, the research looks at that, right? Consensual non-monogamy is a thing now, right? So polyamory, um, people who are not, they're not monogamous, but they're consensually so, meaning that there's no cheating. It's not an infidelity thing. And young people are, in fact, more open to these kinds of relationships, as are people in the LGBTQ community. So is it more of a thing? Has it always been there? It's hard to know. I just know that there are some people who are not wired for monogamy. That doesn't mean everybody is not wired for monogamy. You know, as a human race, I think many of us are wired for monogamy. And there's research to back that up now. So people are looking into this a whole lot more. We're going to talk about that in another episode as well. Uh, still in the mailbag, uh, Dr. Lori, my girlfriend started using the pill recently, and we are both in long in a long-term relationship, and neither of, either of us have STIs or diseases, but I was wondering if the pill will stop pregnancy if I were to finish inside her without a condom. I've heard that the pill has a higher chance of avoiding pregnancy than a condom, but I can't find any article saying anything explicitly about finishing inside a girl without a condom. So the only 100% protection against pregnancy is actually abstinence, right? Not not having um, intercourse. So the birth control pill does have a 99% chance of effectiveness when used properly, meaning never skip a pill, take the pill at the same time every day. Uh, And the actual percentage, because people don't necessarily follow those rules, is uh, about 92%. Uh, because they're not using it as uh, as prescribed. Now, if pregnancy is definitely not in your short, short-term plans in your relationship, obviously the more protected you are, the better. But having said that, if used properly and as directed, the pill is still better than only using a condom. So generally the person would be safe as long as they can trust that their partner is not skipping out on pills. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I the story I heard I've heard numerous times in my life uh, with women on the pill is uh, they. I mean, I think it becomes habit, like you're taking it, and it just becomes part of your routine. Uh, but then they forget uh, because as they get older, they forget that uh, you know they'll take a different medication that conflicts with the pill. Yes, and yes. Then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my God, I'm pregnant! What happened?" And you know, because as you know, like human condition is as we do things over and over again, we think we've figured it out and the instructions don't matter anymore. Uh, and to me, that's one that I've heard numerous times where it's like, oh, you're pregnant. Yeah, I mix medications. Right. I, I took antibiotics. The pill didn't work or uh, people kind of miscalculate or, or sure that happens quite a bit. Uh, Dr. Lori, what can I do? Uh, to have a relationship with a girl, how to flatter a girl uh, and get her to intimacy. I'm 21 and I would like to have sex eagerly as I have never had sex yet. So maybe we need to talk about what it is to compliment someone rather than um, come off as like creepy. 
Because mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's how women respond, right? It's like if somebody comes onto them in a certain way or too strong, they might, they might see them as creepy and then not give them the time of day. So let's talk about compliments and maybe you can add a few in there too. But uh, compliments, <laughs> I am smooth. <laughs> you are smooth. So I, I, compliments should be something that are on, that's honest, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if you don't actually mean it, don't offer a compliment. The more honest it is, I think the better the, the, the interaction, right? You're not going to compliment somebody because you're thinking the way to get her into bed is to compliment her, right? I think you have to be able to compliment just to let somebody know that you appreciate the color yes. of their eyes or you appreciate something about them. Because the minute somebody gets a sense that, are you just compliment me to try to get me into bed? Ooh, that's creepy, right? That's the thing. So obviously the best compliments are the ones that where the, you're not expecting anything uh anything in return that's uh that's really really important so you know sometimes you to figure out how to approach how to have conversations how to be more charismatic these are things that actually can be can be learned right and and that's what dating coaches do um they help uh they help people with this like how to not especially guys how not to come off uh in that kind of that creepy fashion like using pickup lines and you know yeah. you, you, you like you think of a pickup artist right like women don't really respond to that i have to tell you no i think you become attractive when you are attractive and i don't mean that in the sense of you necessarily are the best looking guy you're brad pitt or tom cruise or bradley cooper mm-hmm. i think one women and probably men as well respond to confidence in yourself, meaning you're comfortable in your own skin. You're you're not afraid to walk up to someone and say, "Hi, how you doing? My name's John." It's, you know, right. I noticed you wear these types of shoes. Can you tell me about them? Or like they realize that you're not. You have a little bit of confidence. I think it's also fair right. to say, like, if, if we have a young man here that's saying, "Hey, what can I do?" I think you got to understand that compliments aren't how you get a woman into bed Uh, (laughs) trust is right trust and security and being genuine and yes there are things that like i'll be honest there are things women like like you should probably try to be in shape that would be an easy thing to do Uh, is it the only thing you need no but if you don't work at keeping your body in shape that's going to make it harder for you to maybe find the woman of your dreams. I think also you need to make sure that, um, you know, you cut your hair and you, you kind of try and dress maybe not like you rolled out of bed. Like if you're, if you're, if that's your end goal of actually finding someone you can trust, you kind of got to get in your lane and figure out who you are. And at the same time also, um, you, know, you got to have a little bit of a vibe about yourself. I know, Dr. Laurie, you interviewed Neil Strauss, who wrote The Game. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. Wow. Long time ago. And that book is fascinating. It's an incredible story. And from that book, The Game, he's written other books that actually detail. Uh, Neil Strauss is a, is, is a writer. He wrote a lot of big books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he immersed himself in this pickup artist culture and basically learned some of the moves they have uh, to go out and pick up women. And one of the things I thought was most valuable from his book and his subsequent books is he kind of pointed out that, look, yeah, there are these sort of 
roles you can play to meet women. And he said, when you actually talk to a lot of the guys that they actually go to the trouble of learning these routines, so to speak, it's because they're just not confident. And it's because they don't know how to do it any other way. And they're, they're, their goal isn't to necessarily get anyone into bed. Their original intent was, how do I actually talk to a woman without being incredibly nervous? Exactly. And 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 so that book, if you if you don't use it for evil, actually has a lot of good tips. If you're a nervous type person, on how to go and approach someone and start a conversation, there's actually a lot of good information uh, in, in that book. Uh, if well, you just use it to pick up women, then that's not right. No, then it then it becomes a bit a bit creepy and and absolutely. But one of my colleagues, uh, who's a dating coach, Frank Kermit, who I'm hoping to get on the show at some point, but he wrote a book uh, from creepy to charisma. So he and and his specialty is working with. Uh, like uh, adult male virgins, you know, like the 40-year-old virgins and trying to figure out what they're doing wrong. <laughs> uh, and, hel- and it kind of helps them create this uh, looking at, at not just the conversations, but like you said, you know, how do you present yourself? Confidence is definitely something. Like going up to a woman and saying, I think you're beautiful is is a is a, a, an honest compliment. It's not saying, I think you're beautiful. Would you like to go to bed with me? Correct. And Neil Strauss, you can find this clip on YouTube. I believe he was on maybe Jay Leno or Letterman. And Halle Berry was the other guest. And they asked him, like, could you give us an example? And I thought it was a great example because he turned to Halle Berry, who is, you know, everyone knows she's one of the most beautiful women in the Mm. world. And Neil Strauss, by the way, is not like uh, Tom Cruise. He's a pretty average looking guy. Right. And he turned to Halle Berry... Or it might have been Jessica Alba, one of them. And he said, you know, you're one of the most beautiful women in the world. Compliment. Can you tell me something about you that no one knows? And immediately Jessica Alba says, yeah, you know what? Everyone always thinks that I'm not smart. And she starts talking about herself. And he immediately turns to the host and goes, I have one of the most beautiful women in the world selling me on her right now. Like she's telling right. me things about her. And the the sort of point of the lesson was, hey, you can give a compliment, but you can also phrase it in a way where you ask a question, where you start a conversation that is right. genuine. Because exactly. he says like, I genuinely want to know, yeah, Jessica Alba is hot, but there has to be more to her. What are the things that people don't see in the magazines? I want to know that. And you know what? Jessica Alba wants you to know that, so she's happy to talk about it. Right. And and that could be the same for any any person, right? If you go up to someone and say, wow, that pin that you're wearing is is gorgeous. Um, what's the history behind that? You know, or, or I, whatever. Like you, you find something interesting that most people wouldn't pick up on, right? Yeah. Not just saying, oh, you have a beautiful smile or you have beautiful eyes. Uh, really something about them that then you can have, a, like that creates a conversation, which you're absolutely right. I think there's also an argument to be made. Uh, many women over the years have mentioned to me, uh, humor is certainly very important to women. So oh, yeah. if you, you know, I don't know that you need to be a stand-up comedian and, and certainly there's no shortage of things you could read online where y- you could have some, you know, prepared little jokes or whatever that disarm people, that make them laugh. Uh, laughter is probably a little bit of an aphrodisiac. Again, you don't have to be Chris Rock, 
Uh, but if you if you make someone smile, if you make someone think that wow, that's this person's coming from an interesting place, uh, I think that helps you as well in in, in conversations. Right. It's a cleverness, right? I know that got me. My husband's quite funny. And I think that our first date kept a smile on my face the whole time. I was laughing and laughing and laughing. And and you're right. It is an aphrodisiac. It's it's a great thing to connect. You know, obviously, the the humor has to fit with what you think is funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like you said, it's not about doing a routine. The end part of this question was, though, he's eagerly trying to get to sex. Um, I don't know if you have specific thoughts on that, but as a guy uh, who was in that position at one point in my life, I, I my best advice I would give to any young man uh, and or friend would be don't rush anything. There's no... There's no rush. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. There's no question. It's awesome. Mm. But it, it, if you if you if you waited till Friday instead of Monday, nothing would be different. <laughs> and if you waited a year from now versus now, nothing would be different. Like it's and there's no shame. Like I think a no. lot of people at that age kind of feel like they've missed the boat somehow, and you're not missing the boat. Like it's coming. You know, you'll get on that boat. It, it, there's no missing it. Yeah, there's lots of sex out there. <laughs> it's, well. it's not in short supply. <laughs> Some people might argue with you on that well, one, John. Yeah, married men we're might both have a married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, exactly. Uh, our final question in the uh, mailbag. Uh, Dr. Laurie, it is my understanding that uh, some girls struggle to orgasm. Don't get me wrong, our sex life is great, but she doesn't feel anything. Even when she masturbates, she doesn't feel anything. Uh, there are times when she does, but it'll only be for a few seconds before she goes quiet again. She's also been like this with her exes. My question is, what could be the reason for her not reaching orgasm, and how can she have an orgasm? Man, we could do a whole show on that but first I just want to say it's not uncommon for women to have trouble reaching orgasm and there are some women that orgasm while being penetrated vaginally and but most only while having uh, clitoral stimulation at the same time so I'm assuming that there are no medical reasons why she can't reach orgasm because there are other things right like the medical part is is she on medications there are certain medications like antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds that could actually um, inhibit a person's ability to have an orgasm so if we just rule that out we also have to take into consideration that sex for many women is mental in other words it's in her head right so um and that can stop the 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 letting go process so one option is to try to maybe verbally arouse her, like tell her how beautiful you think she is, how sexy she is, how much you love her, how much you want to please her, how much she pleases you. You can also try by exploring with um, some sex toys and see if she's open to that, see if that works for her. Like sex toys like clitoral stimulators, for example, have a, a really high rate of success among many women when when done alone or um, with a partner. Sometimes if, if a woman has a blindfold on while she's being orally pleasured, let's say, it might help to block out the rest of the world and concentrate on being aroused. And part of the, that's where the problem is for a lot of women is that the focus isn't on the here and now and what's happening in my body right now. They're often thinking about other, other things. 
Um, also, if young women tend to have uh, are less able to have orgasms, maybe because they also don't know their bodies yet as as much as say older women. So again, having that communication, finding out what it is that that she likes, and exploring that with her would be the a really good place to start. Do you think a movie like Fifty Shades of Grey? has helped women in their uh, search for the orgasm, like because it opened up all of these conversations of sort of titillation and experimentation? I think that what happened with Fifty Shades of Grey is it made women realize that when they were reading erotica, it awakened in them desire they thought was dead. Okay? So, and this really, for me, it was... It was so telling in terms of how women's desire needs to be triggered, right? It's not just there for a lot of, especially women in long-term relationships. And triggering that desire is with things like erotica really tends to work um, for women. And that's what it did. And and I'm talking to women who were in their 70s reading that book and thinking Mm -hmm. that, they were kind of like, oh, I, I was, I thought I was done with sex. No, no, you, it was dormant, uh, but you needed something to, uh, to trigger it. Believe me, their husbands were very happy they were reading those books. <laughs> yeah, if you're married and your wife has not read Fifty Shades of Grey, you need to wrap that up and get it to her immediately because your world will change. <laughs> At least for a little while, anyway. <laughs> Reach out with your questions, love, sex, relationships. We can get you the answers on our next edition of Passion. Just visit drlaurie.com. Passion for learning, life, and love. Coming up in Sex in the News, how porn impacts violent crimes or does it? Uh, we look for passion all the time on the podcast, Dr. Laurie. But a very real question um, that probably maybe puts a roadblock uh, in people sometimes finding passion is the obsession with men and the size of their penis. Yeah, you explain that one to me, John, please. As, as a non-penis owner that I am, uh, I can look at the research and I can tell you that I was, I was reading a one penis study that showed that 30% of the people in the study were unhappy with their penis size. And I would imagine that's quite true of probably the, the population. And that's not men who necessarily had any, had small penises. We're talking about men who had average, even to large penises, and they still worry that they somehow um, don't measure up or they worry that their penis is is circumcised, not circumcised, small, big, uh, too veiny, too curvy, too hairy, too, you know, there's a lot of concerns. So there are, let's call it an obsession, even in our society with penis size. And you can see that by, look at the, um, the, the, ads that we see for in, uh, penis enhancements, right? Or uh, perf- well, I don't even know what they call the male enhancers or what have you. <laughs> like it's a it's a million multi million dollar industry, if not billion dollar industry, uh, where they're selling men on this insecurity and saying, "Hey, we have. Uh, don't you want to have the biggest you can? You know, and and try this magic solution." Of course, there is nothing that works, but we can we can certainly talk about that. But if we look at some of the 
reasons that men tend to obsess over their penises, I think the penis is very much linked to a man's confidence. God knows why. Yeah, I it's think really so. What he should, but you know, again, the confidence should come with what you do with what you have, not how big what you have is, uh, or, or, <laughs> or be worried. You know, so. Do you think I, men com- do you think men compare themselves to other guys like do you think when they they date someone that they they think oh I wonder what her previous boyfriend's penis looked like or how 100%, big he was right 100% there's <laughs> and any man that says no is a liar that's it 100% right. I think what it comes down to is you know men we we're, we're we're interesting creatures we 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 like to build houses and build things and cars and uh you know boats and like w- we have these objects of our affection that you know somehow create in our minds maybe not in reality status and we can control all of that but your penis you can't like it's you didn't like <laughs> i've always i got to a point one day where i was like Hey, look, I didn't make this thing, so I'm not going to be judged for it. I had nothing to do. It is what it is. Like, I I didn't make it. Don't, you know, it is what it is. And I kind of stopped thinking about it. Um, But I think there's also men, we we believe we can figure out everything about women, which is is proven that it's not true. We we (laughs) can't. Not exactly. We don't have that skill. But men, for some reason, go, well, of all the things that are important, this thing has to be important. Uh, and I think the reality, and certainly when you read the research, women either have successfully banded together to be the largest group of liars and make every researcher <laughs> believe that you know penis size doesn't matter, it's not a big deal, uh, or it's actually true. I'm not convinced which one is right. I don't. It could be either, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I think that's what it is. I think guys just they just they always want to have something that impresses someone. But that's the mistake, thinking that the bigger, the better. They believe that we will be impressed by the, 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 the largesse of their member. And, but that's not true for, for most women. And why is it that men worry so much about what women are going to think about their penises? We worry far more about uh, be, you being a good person and you not being mm-hmm. a jerk. Like, who cares if you, you know, <laughs> if you're way above average in penis size, that just doesn't work. And if you ask, like, for the majority of women, they, again, they get their stimulation from the clitoris. 80% of women won't orgasm through intercourse alone. Now, for the 20% that do, maybe penis size matters more for them. Uh, for sure, but a man needs to know how to please a woman in other ways that doesn't necessarily use their penis. I think another big, big problem though also is that men grow up on porn. Well, porn, male porn stars, why are they hired? Like people forget that they're hired yeah. because, because they're huge, right? So uh, you can't compare yourself to that. That would be a big mistake. Well, and again, I think this is, it's, well, the penis part is certainly a male issue. Uh, you know, that sort of body concerns is something that is, uh, you know, everybody has. You know, women would have, you know, some women would have the same concern about their breasts or their, their breasts, butts. Yeah. And right, they're like, well, right. I need to have bigger breasts. And I think if you asked most most men, 
most guys that I know would be like, I don't really care, like big, small, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, you can have like, a preference, right? John? Yeah. Like you, you can have, you can say, yeah, I, I, I like, I'm attracted to bigger breasts, but are you going to say no to the perfect woman in every way except that she has itty bitty titties? No. No. Exactly. No, I, so why do why would women do the same? Why would women? Well, again, say, I think that's you know, where the media comes in because. You know, magazines for men and women, they reflect that these are the perfect women and these are the perfect men. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, your abs, your <laughs> legs, your arms, your penis, your breasts, your smile, your teeth. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I think we all obsess about how do we how do we get that? How do we get to that place where when I walk in the room, everyone turns and goes, oh, the sexiest <laughs> man alive with the greatest penis ever is here. Yeah, that's not what women are looking at. You see, no. women we, women will come into a room and the men will look at her breasts. Men come into a room, women are not looking or checking out their package. They are not looking at their crotch. I'm just telling you that. So just to, you know, if you look at what women actually want, women will tell you they prefer girth over length, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's a, a bit more of a filler, if you will. Uh, but they'll take the average penis over a monster size one any day of the week. And for a lot of women, in fact, I've spoke, I spoke to a man who had a, a very large penis and he told me that it, it has been the bane of his existence. Like he says, 80% of the women he's been with have not been able, he's, has not been able to enter. Wow. Yeah. So for him, having such a big penis was actually a curse. Yeah. Guys need to think of it this way. It's no fun to drive a Winnebago around. It's more fun to drive a sports car. So <laughs> I like that. It, in the penis world, the, while a Winnebago is cool and people look at it, not many people really want one. Like most people are like, eh, it's hard on gas. It'll be crappy in traffic. Where will I park it? Eh. Whereas when you look at the sports car, everyone's like, hey, sports car is cool. And I'll look at it too. Same with penises. Right. And we should also <laughs> point out that you're, you're so right, but we should point out that vaginas also come in different sizes. Right. Mm. So sometimes sometimes it's the fit. So you can have the perfect fit and and that it could be a smaller vagina with a smaller penis and that there's a perfect fit. So the, the size doesn't really matter. Or it could be the other way around. Right. With a bigger vagina requiring or finding the perfect fit with a bit of a bigger penis. So it's more about that and also what a person does with all their other parts. But I just want to put it out there because I know people are asking, like, what is the average length? So worldwide, the average is around five inches erect, five point something in its erect state. People, men should not measure their penises in its flaccid state, in its not hard state, because that is not a tell for how big it's going to get. <laughs> okay, an erection is the great equalizer. No, I'm serious. Like if you go into a uh, 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 a, a locker room and you're looking over and you see the guy next to you has a six inch uh, uh, flaccid penis and you you have a three inch flaccid penis with an erection, you might both get to the exact same length I just I was thinking most guys are probably trying to find a ruler at this exact moment <laughs> <laughs> just to do a little bit of a check and 
let's see. Just tell me, have you ever measured? Tell me honestly, have you ever taken a ruler? Every guy has. Every guy has. (laughs) And again, if a guy says, oh, no, I haven't, they're liars. They're liars. And look, I understand, look, it'd be an embarrassing thing to say, but guys do weird things. Like, that's just facts. Guys do weird things. You leave a teenage boy in a room by themselves for a couple hours, weird things are going to happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and any guy that says, oh, no, no, they're a liar. That's it. And now look, I, I don't want to embarrass them. You live your lie. That's fine. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, so to speak, uh, uh, Dr. Lurie, we, we talked about the advertisements and the pills and the operations and all that stuff. Right. There's still a uh, – Obviously, the reason those advertisements are successful is because there's a desire amongst men to to believe that they work. Do any of those things work? Has there ever, ever been something where it's like this has been proven to work or are they all just kind of hogwash? I'm sorry, but no. The answer is no. I, you might find some anecdotal evidence that shows that some things work. Let's just remember that a lot of these whatever techniques or pills or what have you what they're trying to do is increase the blood flow to your penis so that your penis feels more rock hard and looks longer but in fact it's not doing anything for for the length so the medications that are out there do not work they will not work if you think that it's your penis has grown it's probably in your head uh, and if if anything you, you, there's not, nothing significant in terms of growth now there are some things that can be done about girth so people men have gotten fillers injected into their penis to increase the girth of their penis uh, but it that doesn't that has its own issues too, right? In terms of scarring and distribution of fat and or distribution of whatever uh, in there. So I don't know. Would you want to go through that process? I'm not. I'm not sure I would. Then there's other things that are advertised, like penis stretching. Yeah. Where, I'm, but th- you know how ridiculous this is. You're talking about putting <laughs> a a weight on your penis and let and for eight hours a day or whatever, like. How are you going to go to work? I don't know. <laughs> uh, as I said, you, you leave men alone in a room for an extended period of time. Weird things are going to happen. Not only is a man saying, I'm going to try that, but another man said, I think it will work. Let's try it. So uh, guys, don't do that. Yeah. And, and, no, and, and there's no research that's consistently showing that any of these techniques actually work long term or significantly. One thing that does work is if, if you're overweight, if you lose weight, your penis will appear long, will appear bigger simply because uh, when you're overweight, you have fatty tissue in that area as well, which could hide some of the length of your penis. All right. So, so get to the gym, work out. Exactly. The headlines to headboards. This is sex in the news. I have seen conflicting headlines on this one, Dr. Laurie, that more men are helping with housework during the early days of COVID, but it's changed. It, it hasn't changed at my house. I feel like I've, I've never done more housework in my life. <laughs> well, good for you. Uh, unfortunately, well, this is true. At the beginning of COVID, 
when we were on lockdown and everybody was home, that whole first wave, everybody kind of pitched in and men were doing their share. It, it had to be a readjustment, right? In, in For sure. Home because now I think men were able to see like if both partners were working from home, like who's going to do what, you know, at this point, everybody has to kind of chip in. But there was some research that was done. It was a, a poll that was done that since the pandemic began, mothers are still more than three times as likely as fathers to shoulder the majority of household and parenting labor. And they're one and a half times more likely than dads to spend an extra three or more hours on chores and childcare. So that, that excludes like the single mothers, which obviously do, do a whole lot more. So this whole thing about working women having a second shift at home, we've talked, I mean, this has been talked about for, for, uh, for decades, right? So what happened? Like men showed up a lot in the first lockdown and then they tended to, um, step back. So they kind of looked at the the research on this and this is what they say. Uh, Other structures and inequalities made this not sustainable in terms of more sharing. Structurally, mothers were more often in precarious, low-paid jobs and very powerful cultural forces pressure women to choose to reduce their work when stressors are overloading a family. So the pandemic has forced more women out of the workforce than uh, than men, right? Mm-hmm. So that, now, that's part of that. I talked about this on one of my podcasts because I had a theory, and uh, a lot of men agreed. I don't know if women agreed. But in my house, when my wife finds herself doing more of the chores, which does absolutely happen, her and I have an ongoing conversation because I always argue – it's a management problem because we have three kids. They're all basically all teenagers at this point. Right. And I'll say, hang on. You're sitting, you're, you're frustrated that you're doing all this laundry. Why are you doing it? And when you're frustrated, you're looking at me, your husband, like I should do more laundry so you can do less. That's not my belief. My belief is... The kids should do more laundry because that's why we had them. And (laughs) most of it is theirs. Like, they're old enough to do that. But my wife's like, well, no, I still want to do it. I'm like, okay, so when we have this conversation where you say, I need to do more, what you're saying is you want to do it a certain way. You don't want to delegate it to anyone but me. And I'm already doing all these other things. And I'm not in, like I've told her the other day, but we had this conversation. I'm like, I'm not interested. I'll take a pass because I'm doing, I have my things that I'm doing and you have your things. And let's be honest, we pay for the house and we provide them the internet and all that. So I don't think I should ever do dishes, nor do I think I should ever do laundry, but I don't feel my wife should either. I believe our children should do it, which brings me back to, I think some households, they have a management problem. Like, I always bring the towels as an example. My wife won't allow anyone to fold towels because we don't do it right. Right. And I, I keep saying to her, like, why does it matter? Like, they're in closets. No one sees them. So if we fold them my way, the kid's way, or your way, it doesn't matter. But if it matters to you, then you can't give that as a chore 
that you're getting extra points for because you're doing it because it matters to you. It doesn't matter to the rest of us. Like we could fold them six ways to Sunday, put them in the cabinet and move on. So if you're not happy with it, you have to understand that's on you. You can't put that in the check mark of everyone else isn't helping out. It's a management. I'm good. Okay. I, I will Am agree I wrong? with you. Uh, look, you're, you're approaching this as a logical guy thing. And, you know, it's a very nice way to get out of stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and we cannot expect children to take, you know, no, you did not make them for them to be your workforce. I did. So I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Um, but I am in agreement with getting other people, having the family involved. I think especially during pandemic time and where, where times are, where stress is there and the kids are home more and everybody's home more, that everybody has to pitch in. And so, yes, there has to be a management meeting. I like the idea of a household running like a management, like a, like a company. And we have to be able to sit down and say, okay, like it's not fair that mom does three hours of work extra every day while she even is still working, right? So uh, I just think that men fall back and women too fall back into old patterns quite easily and often those traditional uh, the traditional kinds of patterns. So I think oh, guys were, were, were stepping up at the beginning but then fell right back into an old, just an old pattern. I also wondered if it has something to do with the the time. So what I mean by that is, like in the first lockdown, there wasn't as much outdoor chores to do, so everyone was doing everything inside, right? right. Whereas by the, the next lockdown, well, all of a sudden, the weather outside was different, and, you know, things could be done outside so men were like okay well i'm gonna go do the things outside because that's a blue job and i'll leave the pink job here uh and and they went and did those jobs and the other thing too and some people don't like you might not like when i say this here but there's a lot of jobs men do that no one gives them credit for like for some reason like hanging the christmas lights and risking your life getting up on a ladder <laughs> to put christmas lights up that is somehow not equal to laundry which i've never understood because okay, i'm like i i'd rather do laundry i don't want to risk my life doing that <laughs> john hello let's be real you're doing that once a year and your wife is doing laundry every day don't yes. please don't compare those two things but how many women have fallen off a ladder and become paraplegics because of okay. laundry? None. Okay, except that The risk that women is greater. Are, John, women are smarter, and they're going to hire a professional. Okay? That's true. There you go. <laughs> I, used to, I used to always laugh because uh, my wife, at our previous home, we had uh, cleaners. So right. my wife's thing is she does laundry. Uh, that's her thing. And then we have the cleaners. So we get into these conversations where I, I, I got the groceries. I did all the lawn work. I, um, you know, everybody kind of like laundry itself was predominantly my wife. And my wife would be like all her friends. She'd be like, oh, I did so much laundry today. And they're like, John, you should help her out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do. And then they'll be like, oh, oh, but you're not even saying, John, she does the cleaning. I'm like. And then my wife would sort of look away. I'd be like, yeah, she hasn't told you that we have cleaners. Like, she does, like, laundry's on her list. That's the only thing on her list. Like, I'm, no, I don't feel bad she's doing <laughs> But, yeah. I think the, the bottom line of this is, um, I think no matter how much work you do around the house, 
you always perceive the other person does left less because we all internalize everything, right? Like everything I do is is way more important than what everyone else does. Except, um, no, except I'm gonna it, uh, no, John. No, no in my no, mind, no. I'm just saying in my mind. In your mind, but statistically and according to the research, women do three hours more. They do. They do far more. So sorry, you're not winning this one. I let, you know what end I, of I, discussion. I always, <laughs> no, no, end of discussion. No, no, that's it. I compare this to, you know what I compare it to is, do you know how women always get upset about uh, dads when we're taking care of kids? Like my wife used to always get so frustrated because like she's a kindergarten teacher. So okay. when she takes care of our kids, she has a schedule. She's got them doing things that are learning. Like she's a super mom. No question. When sure I was in charge of taking care of the kids, like... I had the football game on, and I had a kid beside me reading a book, and I had another one playing a game, and everybody was happy, but we weren't doing anything. And my wife would come in and be like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, I'm taking care of the kids. She's like, you're watching the football game. I'm like, and taking care of the kids. She goes, no, 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 no. And I'm like, I just make it look easy. You're just angry because I make it look easy. <laughs> I think men and women have a different vantage point there. <laughs> we, we, we move on. Uh, Dr. Laurie, new research showing that porn uh, does not cause violent sex crimes. Obviously, uh, porn in the news is always very contentious, and uh, there are many that feel that the impact it has on society doesn't necessarily justify uh, how it does positively maybe impact some of, the, of those in society. Uh, when it comes to violent sex crimes, I think if you had 100 people in a room, everybody would say the same thing. We don't want violent sex crimes at all. So what does the research say about porn and the impact? Right. It's so interesting because you're right. It's been something that's been debated for decades, obviously, because uh, you know, it's related to morality and, and all that stuff. So we know that pornography is a, a fantasy world, um, but... Some people, usually the the far-right anti-porn movement, wants to um, put out there that it leads to sexual aggression. What does that mean? It would mean that if I watch porn, I'm more likely to be sexually aggressive. So there's new research that was published in the journal Trauma, Violence, and Abuse, which suggests that there is no connection, no connection between pornography consumption and sexual violence. This is based on the research by Dr. Chris Ferguson at Stetson University um, and at the University of Texas in San Antonio. And what they did was they conducted a what's called a meta-analysis. So they looked at all the research and put it all together, and they examined more than 50 uh, of the most popular studies on this subject that explored the association between pornography and sexual aggression during the past 40 years. So meta-analyses are very important because they bring all of it together, right? Uh, so they found that uh, a lot of the studies were poorly designed, uh, and those were the ones that tended to more likely support a link between pornography and sexually assaultive um, behavior, but they say that during the past few years, many states have declared that pornography is a public health crisis. We uh, were curious to see if evidence could support such claims, at least in regard to sexual aggression, or whether politicians were mistaking moral stance 
for science. Our evidence suggests that policymakers should examine other causes of sexual aggression, hint, hint, like guns, uh, and that beliefs about pornography may be driven more by methodological mistakes than uh, sound science. So they did not find this uh, correlation between those two things. So I found that very interesting because they, you know, when you look at how they do research on this, they'll randomly assign and expose men to, let's say, violent pornography and non-violent pornography and non-pornography, and then they measure their attitudes toward women or about sexually aggressive um, behaviors. So these are done like in, in the lab, and they could not find any correlational or experimental studies that provided evidence that supported concerns about uh, pornography at that level. So obviously what they their conclusion is that there's a bias in pornography and sexual aggression research, which I think we, we know this, that there is a bias of people picking, you know, you cherry pick your, your data to be able to support uh, your belief. So I think that's something that happened there. Well, and I think when you look at um, the media in general, when something really bad happens and then the media starts to dissect the person that's guilty of whatever the crime might be, they look at every single aspect of their life and go, oh, there's something that made him bad or her bad. Oh, there's something that made him or her bad. And then that gets blown up in all the headlines and the next thing you know, everyone goes, oh, that's the cause. When in reality, it could just be that, no, that that one person, they were messed up on a gazillion different levels, and it wasn't the right. one thing. Right. Uh, and, and and then, of course, the common misperception is, oh, well, it was that. That's right. what the, the problem cause, is. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, I think porn, and certainly you mentioned guns and uh, movies and music and like all those things that are contemporary in headlines all the time. Um, they they get blamed for a lot of things, some of which they deserve, and in a lot of times, they don't. Right, and far more violence in your mainstream media than you'd find in pornography anyway. Not that, and I certainly don't excuse any kind of, uh, I'm, I don't like the idea of violent anything, whether it's porn or... Uh, or movies or anything that kids are exposed to or people are exposed to, but we have to be careful when we make causal links, right? Which mm. came first, the chicken yeah. or the egg? Like, really, can't <laughs> always be one way. Uh, all right, and uh, finally, this is, uh, I guess we would put it under the headline of a uh, crazy slash <laughs> unbelievably dumb sex story. Yes, we should always have one of those, right? Uh, and yeah. some people do some of the craziest things. So the headline was a woman has shared her story of how she was dumped because her vegan boyfriend thought she was cheating on him when, in fact, she was sneaking <laughs> off to eat at McDonald's. So you, you know where I find a lot of these stories? On Reddit. I mean, and subreddits, yes. you find all kinds of crazy, uh, crazy stuff. So the woman said that they'd been together for nearly three years and her boyfriend had been living a vegan lifestyle since he was uh, 18 or so. And uh, she said she's been freaking out over this, not sure how to go about this, but she moved it. They moved in together last year. He wanted her to try out veganism. So she said, okay, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll do it. But then she started craving uh, chicken McNuggets. 
So she would have <laughs> dreams about chicken McNuggets. She would like, it became obsessive for her. So she says at least twice a week, she would sneak out of the house and say she was going to the supermarket running errands. And then she'd go to McDonald's and eat a bunch of nuggets. Uh, so <laughs> she would then run to the grocery store, buy a th- some random crap that she you know, didn't even need. Uh, but then he started to become um, suspicious after months of her doing this and accuse her of cheating on him because of the amounts of times that she would leave the house and she would say, no, no, don't come with me. No, no, it's okay. And then he broke up with her, assuming that she'd really been cheating, but she was cheating on him with, you know, basically Ronald McDonald. <laughs> hey, look, nugs are definitely something that calls your names every once in a while. Like those nuggets, they're good. They'll call your name every once in a while. I, I'm on her side. <laughs> I just find it so so interesting when you like cheating behavior. You can be be betrayed by food, right? Or you can be betrayed yeah, exactly. by I don't know many other things. It's like you're sneaking around on me. You're supposed to be vegan. What? <laughs> you know. Do you think do you think the guy felt better that she wasn't cheating on him with a guy but was cheating on nugs? Like do you think he was like, "Well, okay, look, if you if you're not cheating on me with a guy, that's bad, but now that I have this nugget information, it's almost as bad and I'm still angry." I don't think he believed her. I think he still thinks uh. she was cheating. Said likely excuse. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, everyone can eat whatever they want, but I'm just telling you, uh, I, I'm with her. Every once in a while, you got to have some No. As a vegan, I say no. <laughs> I'm good. No. no. <laughs> look, every once in a if you were going to break the veganism, you'd do it for No. <laughs> it wouldn't be. Because I don't eat, I don't. I don't even think a nugget's actually chicken, so that that's it's probably actually pretty close it's to vegan. Pretty gross is what it what it sounds like to me. So I'm not interested. Thanks. Go get it yourself. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, look, I'm going to get some nuggets. Uh, on the next edition of Passion, we are going to uh, tackle how to find passion in consensually monogamous relationships that should be a good consensually one. non-monogamous relationships john <laughs> that's uh yes i didn't put the non in my notes well there you go. that's a freudian <laughs> slip <laughs> oh is it well that'll be another podcast in itself we'll see <laughs> always a good time dr Take care, john. passion with dr Lori batito and john paul to submit questions business inquiries or just to connect visit drlaurie.com Thank you for supporting Passion.